I'm Ray Gerard, and your host for this program this morning, and I'm here with Father Jim Shichko. He is a papal missionary for uh, papal mercy. missionary of mercy for Pope Francis. Papal missionary of mercy for Pope Francis. Yes. So tell me, Father. Sure. What is it you do? Oh, yeah. Well, I and along with 700 priests throughout the world uh, travel throughout, uh, bringing God's mercy, bringing God's kindness, bringing God's uh, love and forgiveness to those who are most in need, which is every person that we encounter. And so we are called uh, as priests and as confessors to live out the message of Christ's forgiveness and Christ's mercy and to especially uh, bring that to people all throughout the world, Catholics and non. So you have some brothers in this mission. Yes, there are uh, 699 other brothers. Uh, each of us, in our own unique ways, uh, bring Christ's mercy and forgiveness using our own gifts and talents uh, throughout the world. Some use a, a golf cart on campuses in going throughout the campus, hearing confessions on the go. Uh, there are others who do random acts of kindness. There are some who are heads of evangelization committees in their dioceses. And so we all have a variety of different uh, calls and ministry in which we can offer the same goal, but in different ways. A lot of times people think of a missionary, they'll think of somebody who goes to a foreign country, and they stay there. Sure. You don't exactly stay in one place, do you? No, I, I travel extensively. You know, I'm, I'm in a different city, different state, different country uh, every week. And uh, that's the new part of evangelization, where we have the great gift of being able to travel across the world in a matter of a day. And yes, so yes. Um, that's one of the things that I do, is I travel extensively. Other missionaries at times stay within their own place or their own dioceses. So it's pretty much up to the missionary themselves and their bishop to come up and formulate a plan on where they're being led and in what areas they are best being called to minister. So, um, so you, you travel, as you say, a lot. You travel every week. I mean, you're home well, one day a week. One day, one day a week, week except a week in Easter and a week at Christmas. So, for instance, uh, recently I was just in Kochi, India. I was there for 11 days uh, ministering to the people of, of India. And then from Kochi, India, I came back and I was in Texas. And then from Texas, I went off to the North Pole, Alaska, which really is a mission territory. That's a diocese of Fairbanks with only, let's see, uh, 17 priests. Uh, you know, and so to cover a pretty wide territory, to a very large territory. In fact, with me traveling there, they were excited because the priests uh, were able, with me being present, were able to go out into the bushes, as they say, and minister to people that they haven't seen for several weeks or months. Um, so, you know, that's the whole aspect of, of being a new missionary in a new time. So, as you're traveling all these places, now, maybe this is an unfair question, yeah. but what is the message you want people to hear? Or maybe, you know, what is the message you most want people to hear? Sure. So I can't control what people hear, <laughs> but what I can control is the way in which I try to share it and say it. And, and I believe that people, all people, are hungry for truth. 
I think people are tired of the gospel and church teachings being watered down. At the same time, it's how you can communicate that truth. You don't have to be condescending. Uh, the truth invites people. People are hungry for the word of God. People are hungry to be included, you know, and, and so I think that that's an important way. And how you um, share that, how the preacher preaches that message is an important aspect of, of spreading the word of God. Um, yeah, so you were actually, you're actually doing a mission right now at my own personal mm -hmm. parish. Correct. And uh, you are at our masses this weekend, all the masses this weekend, announcing the mission. Sure. And I, I noticed, and it, it kind of struck me, but you weren't at all bashful about telling people, don't leave church early. That's right. And that is because? That is because people need boundaries and people want boundaries. And I think what also happens is that at times uh, we get in ways that are not benefiting ourselves or God in general or others. I mean, let's just look at people leaving after Mass or leaving after Communion. Why do people do that? Nine times out of ten, people will say, because I just do that. That's just, no one has ever stopped me. That's just what I do. It has become a habit. We have watered down our conscience. Okay? So, you once again remind them that, you know what? There's something better to do. Stay, take the time, enjoy the quiet, and pray. But it was refreshing to me because... What you said when you when you said that at mass, what you said was, I mean, you made reference to the real presence. Yes, well, it is the real presence. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. that I think that's what at times we forget. Yes, and so you don't have to do it in a way in which, it, you know, I I don't say uh, you're not invited to the real presence. Mm -hmm. I'm like, open your heart and recognize that the real presence is here. That that there's no need to be running elsewhere. There's nothing more important than really being here today in front of the real presence of Jesus Christ, who is merciful, who is kind, who is loving, who's forgiving, who accepts us as we are, who created us, you know? And so, you know, one of the gifts that I have over a pastor is that I'm able to come in and say these things and then leave, <laughs> you know, but, but, but at the same time, I don't sit with the pastor and say, tell me what you want me to say. Mm -hmm. Part of being a missionary is recognizing both the gifts and areas that need to be strengthened in a church community. So as I travel from place to place, um, I do so recognizing that each community is a different community. Though we're all connected in the body of Christ, we're different communities. We bring different ways and different, just no different than Jesus in, in, in telling stories. You know, Jesus used parables, but he used stories that people of his time could relate to. Mm -hmm. So is the same with the missionary. When I go out to a foreign land, they're not going to know about many things that we do here because they don't have those resources. I mean, I, I'm preaching in a remote part of India where people are coming to a mission, 6,000 people a night, 
and they're sleeping on what we would consider a uh, parking garage, but they consider as a dormitory. Really? You know, I'm talking to a group of people who don't use forks and knives. They use their hands, and they, you know, use their hands as their forks and knives because they're not benefited with, with those gifts. But yet, they're still children of God, yet they're still hungry for the Word of God. You know, it's amazing to see in a lot of various lands how um, the lack of resources... You find that in turn they have a greater sense of faith, devotion, because there are no distractions. They come into their church not wearing shoes because they don't want to muddy or get anything in the sacred space dirty. They come with the recognizing that the priest carries the presence of Christ with him and he's persona Christe. And then at the same time that they recognize that it's not every week they're able to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. And so they open themselves and they wait because they are hungry. You know, we need to rekindle that flame within our own lives. Sometimes we're spoiled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was at, uh, one time I attended a Mass down in Panama. Uh -huh. And we were set to attend Mass at a certain location and didn't take place as it was supposed to. So we were left hunting around for where we right. could find a mass. And we ended up finding one late in the day on Sunday at this at this one little church. And we had to travel a ways to get there. We had no idea where we were going. And we get there, and it was a church, and it was semi-open air. Yes. And uh, all the decorations in the church were sort of inconsistent. Nothing was coordinated because it was all, like, homemade, handmade. Right. And um, it was just personal. And authentic. It was not like one of our churches here, right. you know, where everything is, is, is you know, nicely done, and you know, it's, it's you know, it's it's manufactured right. and so. But it was just it was beautiful. Well, one of the things that I have found, whether it be in the United States or or abroad, I, I've always been grateful for the warmth and the love and the welcome um, that I have received. Like I said, you know, people are hungry for hearing the word of God. People are hungry in being ministered to. And it's how you do it, not necessarily why you do it, you know? We need to foster a way in which people want to listen, in which we encourage people to go out and spread the word of God. Because the church still has this sort of this reputation um, that, you know, it, it's hard. Um, it's got this hard kind of exterior or hard kind of a of an attitude about certain things, certain moral teachings and certain other things, you know. But really, you know, it, it, it seems like it's an unfair reputation, isn't right. it? Because well, I think, I think the thing is, you know, there is no way that we are ever going to be able to evangelize or teach others if we are excluding others, if we're pushing people away. You know, I think one of the things Pope Francis teaches us is, is that um, we have to go out to the people. We have to smell like our sheep, you know? One of the things Pope Francis, whenever you visit with him, one of the first things he does is he looks at your shoes. Oh, really? You know? Have you been out in the field? Have you been out working? Have you been out with your people? 
you know? Do, do our church, do, do we need more, more managers and administrators in our church, or do we need more pastors and shepherds, you know? I think what we need is an equal balance, mm -hmm. but we have to be able to open our doors and bring the people in and allow them to be renewed and allow them uh, to have transformation and allow them to be converted, to, to feel the Spirit of God, to, to hear good preaching, good music, to make our efforts, you know, not just come to church and sit, yes. but come and participate and be the body of Christ. And what draws them to the church, or, or what can we use to draw them? I mean, you mentioned it before, isn't it? It's these truths yes. that the church teaches, the truths that the church has inherited. Right. And that's what people, I mean, that's really what's going to speak to people. That's really sure. going to connect in their hearts. That's correct. Good preaching, you know, uh, good evangelization, a welcoming community, a community that is on fire for God. You know, there's nothing worse than entering a church, which I have done, not with my collar on, but just that, and you feel not welcomed. You're not one of us. Mm -hmm. Don't sit here. That's my pew. You know, that all plays into converting the heart and sharing the heart. And it has to begin here and in our community. Mm -hmm. And within our own church, let me tell you what, there are more fallen away Catholics in the pew than outside of the pew. Okay? Mm. So I think that's one thing we have to recognize. You know, it starts here and grows out, you know? So does your missionary work take in some of these people that have, you know, left the church? People oh, most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. In fact, what I challenge people to do, as I did last night at the mission, is... We all know someone who needs to be here tonight. Mm -hmm. We all know someone. Mm -hmm. But are we going to take the next step and do something about that? Yes. Are we willing to pick up the phone and call them? Are we willing to say, hey, I haven't seen you at church. Would you like to come with me? Because we're all afraid about what the other may think or say or do. Mm -hmm. you know? Yes, yes. And... and, and as I say, this is a wonderful, meet, pro, um, wonderful platform to be able to say, come home, come and be with us. Well, we're going to take a short break right now. Uh, we're here with, with Father Jim Shichko, and we'll be back in a moment. Thank you. Oh, Jesus, eternal priest, keep your priests within the shelter of your sacred heart where none may touch them. Keep unstained their anointed hands, which daily touch your sacred body. Keep unsullied their lips, daily purpled with your precious blood. Keep pure and unearthly their hearts, sealed with the sublime mark of the priesthood. Let your holy love surround them and shield them from the world's contagion. Bless their labors with abundant fruit, and may the souls to whom they minister be their joy and consolation here, and in heaven their beautiful and everlasting crown. We lift up to you this day our sovereign pontiff, the Pope, all bishops, all priests, 
deacons, seminarians, and religious. Jesus, protect them and guide them and pour forth your grace in abundance to help them in your mission of leading souls to heaven. Amen. All right, so we're back. Uh, this is Ray Gerard. I'm here with uh, my guest today, Father Jim Shichko. And we are talking about um, your work as a mission for mercy. And before we, we broke, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of your missionary work being concerned with people in the church who have sort of like fallen away from the church. So, I mean, there are, that happens perhaps because they don't understand some of the truths that the church has to offer? I mean, what do you think is most difficult for people to understand? Or maybe what are the, some of the reasons why people, some of the things about our faith they don't quite understand well enough that causes them maybe to drift a little bit? I think one of the aspects is, is because I think that they forget that the church is made up of human and divine. And what I mean by that is, is that they see a church leader, a priest, um, individuals who are in leadership uh, fault <laughs> and falter, and so they become dismayed. And they may say, I'm going to pick up and depart. Um, but what they forget is that that's the human aspect of the church. What is the greater aspect of the church is the divine aspect. Is, is the Eucharist, is the presence of God in the Word, and by the way, the presence of God in one another. Okay? And, and so, for instance, recently I was flying from Lexington to Detroit, Detroit to Iowa. I missed my flight, I overslept my flight, which I never do. <laughs> And I had to. But that's the human element of the right. church. I had to then get a new flight that same day out of Cincinnati, which was about an hour and a half, two hours away. When I get to Cincinnati, I forgot my wallet. It just goes on and on. They get me on a plane. I connect through Detroit on a whole different plane. I my shoe falls off. It breaks. I'm walking barefoot, et cetera, et cetera. I go onto a plane. I spill my drink on the woman next to me. I'm not dressed in my clerical collar. I'm wearing my hoodie. And the woman sees me praying the rosary. And she leans over and she says to me, will you pray for me? And I said, sure, I'll pray for you. I said, is there a specific need? And she said, yes. She said, my son was killed this morning. Oh in an accident and I'm going to Des Moines to bury him. Oh. And I said, well, ma'am, I said, I'm a, I'm a Catholic priest and I will offer the 5 p.m. mass tonight at this parish for your son. At five o'clock, I begin to offer the mass. After the mass, I leave and I look in my social media and on Twitter, there is a tweet from this woman who shows a picture of her being at the Mass. <laughs> and her response is, I've been away from the church oh, oh, oh. for 30 years, and today I have returned. <laughs> okay, so, so let's just look at that for a moment. 
Here's a woman who has left the church for 30 years for whatever reason. She encounters an individual she does not know as a priest. priest. Number three, I didn't have to quote catechism, the Bible, or telling her that she was wrong. I just had to live Christ. And I think what happens is is that we put so much expectation, and in some aspects, rightly so, upon individuals who are called to live the life of Christ. But we fail. We fall. And I think one of the things that we forget is that God's mercy is open to all. And especially if we are open to that mercy, if we seek contrition for that sin, and that we try our best not to sin again. And so, you know, there are many issues in the church where, let's not forget that the teachings of the church are teachings that are to move us to be as close as we can be with God. Are we going to fail? Of course we are. But that's why we offer the sacrament of reconciliation. That's why we offer the ability to go to confession. Oh, well, Father, uh, I, don't, I don't believe in confession. Well, I'm sorry, it's not about you. <laughs> it's about something much greater. And that is that we restore our soul into the community of believers, that we come together. And, and so we have to recognize that we all have struggles. We're human. We have our difficulties. There is no one perfect, okay? But we take those times and we try to grow through those struggles, you know? All of these teachings are to challenge us to live a better and wholesome life. It doesn't mean that we're going to do it. It means that we strive to learn and, and grow from it. You know, you mentioned confession. Sure. Or reconciliation. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I've heard, I don't know how many stories about somebody who, you know, hasn't been to reconciliation for years. You know, there's, there's one person in particular that I'm thinking of uh, right now. And um, it had been, I don't know, 30, 40 years, brought up Catholic, hadn't been for years. And he poured out, you know, he, as he said, like 30 years of all of this mortal sin and his life was sort of in a bad, well, his life was in a bad place. His children's lives were in a bad place. He poured all this out to the priest. And at the end of it, he said, you know what this priest said to me when I was done? He said, I absolve you of your sins. Mm -hmm. He said, it felt like a weight, the weight of the world had been lifted off. And he is now somebody who, I mean, he does evangelization work himself, just in what he does. He's, he, he became so joyful about the faith. I'm sure you went into it. Yeah, I think, I think what's interesting is so many people don't know their faith. That's the issue. People don't know why we do what we do. I'm talking Catholics. Yes. You know, yes. I'm sitting here going, do you know why you dip your hand in that holy water and mark yourselves with the sign of the cross? Do you know why we, the priest kisses 
the scriptures? Do you know why you are able to receive Jesus in two ways, either the tongue or through the hand? Do you understand why you genuflect when you come into church? You see, you have to know your faith to be able then to share your faith. How can you share something you don't know? How can you share something that you don't love? Okay, For, and it shows. You know, I'll give you a great story. So my, uh, my father loved cutting the grass. I can't stand cutting the grass. I don't like yard work, okay? But my, my father loved cutting the front grass. It was his job. And one morning I decided I'd do something for my father, so I ran out to cut the front grass. Within 0.3 seconds, my father came out in his boxer shorts, screaming, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh -huh. And I said, Dad, I'm cutting the grass. And he said, uh, Jimmy, you can cut the back grass, but you can't cut the front grass. I said, what are you talking about? He said, people see the front grass. People don't see the back grass. I said, what are you talking about? And he grabbed me, and eye to eye, he said to me, you don't love cutting the grass and it shows. Well, you know what, people? If you don't love your faith, it shows. If you don't love your God, it shows. God has already shown us how much he loves us by giving us his son, his son dying for us. How do we get that joy? How do we get that faith? by reading, by learning, by growing, by participating. You know, I'll never forget, my undergraduate work is in vocal performance and opera and all of that. I'll never forget one day, while I was at Mass as a high school student with my mother and dad, and I was complaining about the music at church. My mom and dad listened, and after Mass, my dad took me, and he walked me up to the priest and he said, Monsignor, this is my son, Jim Sitchko. He was complaining about the music today at Mass. <laughs> he has an amazing voice and I'm sure he will offer his talents now to assist in your music program. You see, if you're going to complain, if you're going to point the finger, guess what? You got three fingers pointing back at you. Yeah. Get involved. You know, get involved. If you want to see change, if you want to learn, then get involved. Get involved in your church community. I don't know one church community. I don't know one pastor who wouldn't welcome someone coming forward saying, I have these gifts, I have these talents. How can they be of service? And when you get involved and you interact with other people that... And you can learn a little bit of that, that loving, that kindness. Well, we're all different, you know, and we all have different ways. And something kind of what I shared last night, every person who you encounter, those who are going to hear us on TV or radio or wherever, every person we encounter is dealing with something we don't know about. Ugh. But do those people encounter Jesus in me. Do you know, I forget the estimate, it is outstanding, 
you know, astounding, sorry, astounding, the number of inactive Catholics there are. Mm. And do you know what the number one reason for that inactivity is that they did not encounter Jesus when they entered the church? Now, definitely they encountered him in word. Definitely they encountered him in sacrament. But I can't say that they definitely encountered him through one another. Through the people. Yeah. We have to be able, our lives have to be able to say what is constantly referred to in the Easter narratives, in the Easter Gospels. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. You know, think about it. All throughout, all throughout the resurrection of Jesus, people are saying, I have seen Jesus. He has risen. You know, do our lives reflect that? Do our lives reflect the joy of Jesus? You know, and people are hungry for that. Mm. You saw the church last night. Mm. From a simple homily, from a simple word, we had 1,300 people. Mm-hmm. packed into a church for 60 minutes mm-hmm. because people want they want the word and they want it in a way in which they don't feel put down but empowered you know to be to be on fire for God to be on fire for the sacraments to be on fire for the message of Jesus you have to be able to say I know Jesus We've all encountered him. Yeah. Every one of us. There's not, one, I, there's not one person that hasn't encountered Jesus. The question is, is do we have the mind and the heart and the eyes to see it? It's always going to come to us in very different ways than we think. And it's, it's really the love. When you say people are hungry for the truth. Yeah. And they're hungry. And I guess the greatest truth is that God is love. Yes. You know, and merciful. And mercy, right. Yeah. And I mean, that's what people are hungry for. And if, if we can, I guess, share that a little bit more. That's right. Then, you know, then we'll be so much more effective. And, and, and the sharing of it can come in amazing ways. See, it doesn't have to just come through spoken word. It comes through action. Yeah, what you do. Yeah. It comes through behavior. Right. It comes through watching. You know, how many times do things happen and we sit back? Opening the door for an individual can be an act of mercy. Letting someone go ahead of us in line can be an act of mercy, especially when we're in such a busy state. Yeah. yeah. Refraining from saying something snippetly mm-hmm. and keeping our mouth quiet yeah. can be an act of mercy. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes from maybe just from listening to people. That's an act of mercy. You know, if you care about the other person, you know, then you won't have to remind yourself. Right. You'll just do these things naturally, wouldn't you? Right, which is one of the things that is also a struggle. In our day and age with social media, so much talking, do we spend time listening? So we're going to take a break right now, but we'll be back with Father Jim Shishko very shortly. buddy sorry we're late hey chris what's going on man what's uh, going on not much uh, we're kind of running behind there yeah right? you're late buddy yeah. <laughs> well 
You didn't burn the brats, so that's good. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, we took everybody to confession, so we went as a family. and Confession? Dude, I ain't done that since I was in grade school. Man. Oh, wow. Man, I could. I don't know what I would do if I didn't go to confession at least once a month. Really? <laughs> that sounds strange, huh? I don't know, man. You know, I've, ta- I've been talking to some friends, you know, uh, you know, some of these other faiths and things like that. And, you know, they brought up a good point. It's like, hey, you know, we just go straight to Jesus. We ain't got to, you know, confess to a, a yeah. priest held to a man. I mean, why do we got to do that? I've heard that before, too. Um, lots of friends ask me questions like that, you know, like, can't you just go straight to Jesus? You right, know? right. But... I know in the scriptures, it says, you know, Jesus told his apostles, said, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven. So that means in order for them to forgive the sins, they have to hear what they are. Hey, 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 Myrna, we're having a theological discussion here. (laughs) Chris is coming over talking Bible to me. (laughs) Well, I've been getting a little more excited about my faith. You know, I've been reading more and kind of taking the initiative to educate myself on, on, you know, why I believe what I believe, you know. So you're saying Jesus told his apostles to go out and hear confessions. Yeah, yeah. And he also told them, whoever hears you, hears me. So I'm thinking, you know, when we listen to our priests and the bishops and the Pope, we're we're listening to Jesus. (laughs) Okay, that might be good for you, but I'm just, to me, that just means like it would be terrifying. Like, you know, don't you get nervous and scared talking to some some dude about, I mean, you can't tell him everything. Well, no, I, I try and be as honest as possible because, you know, I don't want anything to stand between, you know, me and God, any kind of sin. You know, I want to be I want to have a open relationship with God, you know, not pretend that things aren't there that are there, you know, that I should be changing. Well, I'll give you this. You know, we just had our kids go through First Communion, you know, and uh, right before they had First Confession, like I did when I was little. Oh, yeah. and you know what? When they came out of there, they their attitudes change. They actually behave a little better. So I'll give you that. They behave better. That's so. great. Well, I noticed when we go as a family, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a similar thing. You know, our whole family attitude kind of changes. You know, it seems like everybody's a little more charitable and they kind of, you know, look out for each other a little more than they did. You know, I can usually tell when we've gone too long because mm. uh, people start getting a little snippy, a little short-tempered, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, nobody's perfect, but I do notice a difference when we all go and uh, it just seems to make everybody, uh, you know, a little more, they, they tend to, to think about what they're doing a little more, you know? Okay, well, I'll tell you what I'll think about it. You know, that's, that's it's, you give me something to think about today, but uh, I'll tell you what, what do you want, a burger or a brat? What do you want? Uh, let me get a burger. All right, bud, thanks. All right. All right. Dear Lord, Strengthen and guard all Christian families. Watch over and grant wisdom to all fathers and mothers. And keep all children under your protection and care, especially those who have turned from the ways of God and the church. May they always remain faithful to their baptismal vows. Give them strength to walk in your ways despite the many temptations and false values in the world today. Grant that they may share with you the joy of eternal life. Amen. So, Father, we've come to the end of our program today, but Father, I want to thank you so much for being with us here. And uh, it really, really was a, a real pleasure. 
But uh, I want to leave, give you the chance. Perhaps you want to say a, a blessing sure. or something to everybody who may be listening. Great. So I, I just once again encourage those who are present here today, who are watching and listening, to know of the mercy and the love of God for each and every one of you. And to know that I personally will keep you in my prayers and thoughts and that the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you now and forever. Amen. Father, thank you so thank much. Thank you.